Hello, everyone. This is Chris Martinson of Peak Prosperity here with another edition of Off the Cuff, your series for understanding what's going on in the world today. Very special guest, good friend of mine, Mike Maloney of goldsilver.com, practically needs no introduction, author of The Great Gold and Silver Rush of the 21st Century, an updated version. We're going to talk about this. We're going to talk about how safe are your assets? We're going to talk about the state of the world and where we are in this story. So, hey, Mike. Yeah. Welcome to the program. Good to see you. Thanks. It's great being here. You know, I, I do want to commend you for the job that you've done of alerting the public uh, over the past couple of years uh, to what is going on. So uh, thank you very much for what you've oh, done. Thank you. And, and and likewise, I'll return the favor because I, I quote your stuff all the time, the difference between money and currency, Talking about the great wealth transfer as a centerpiece yeah. of of how I think about the world and and I build stuff off of that all the time. So thank you for for all of your work doing that because uh, the hidden secrets of money extraordinary. Everybody should watch it, of course. Do people still watch that? Oh yes, uh, the episode four is I think at about eleven million views now, and that's the one that describes how currency is created. But there is mm -hmm. a mistake in there, and we can't correct it without losing 11 million oh, views off of, of our channel. Yeah. And the mistake yeah. is uh, we went with the textbook creation of bank credit, how bank credit dollars, which are not money, uh, how they get created, and the fractional reserve. You, de you deposit currency, and they loan out 90%, keep 10 on, on uh, that doesn't really exist. You bring a house to the bank and you say, I, I need to borrow some uh, currency to buy this house. And the bank looks at the collateral. They look at you. If your uh, credit history is good, uh, if you're borrowing a million dollars, the bank types a million dollars into existence, puts it in your account. They don't loan you anything that exists already. And then uh, you pay the seller. That currency is out in circulation, but you've promised to pay 2 million back over a 30 year period. When you pay the principal back, uh, those dollars meet the debt on the balance sheet and annihilate each other like matter, antimatter, and they vanish. And this is one of the things, you know, I've been a, this, uh, I've been sort of, I declared war <laughs> a long time ago on the, you know, alerting people to the difference between currency and money. And Aristotle was the first one to describe the key attributes that something has to have for it to be money, for it to be called money. It's got to be a medium of exchange so that you can buy goods and services with it, a unit of account so that you can put a price on things, and a store of value. And since the Federal Reserve's inception, uh, the dollar measured in gold has gone from 20 bucks to 2,000 bucks. So it has lost 99% of its value. And this currency, like I said, it springs into existence and then it vanishes. How is that a store of value? <laughs> it's, you know, JP <laughs> yeah. Morgan said it best. Uh, gold is money. Everything else is credit. Yeah. And and this is such an important point because we take it back through the sweep of history. I, I don't want to, you know, well, listen, I'm just going to put my cards on the table. Once upon a time, the elites had to have slaves and this was problematic, right? Slaves, yeah. you know, you had to feed them. They ran away. They sometimes got uprisingly, you know, restive on you. Yeah. They got sick. You had to take care of them. It was a problem. And then they invented this stuff called debt-based money. And now you're your own debtor and your own slave master, right? right? You know, you sign, Oh, I signed my name. If I don't pay this back, you know, I'll lose my house. Right. 
So, so that was the game for a long time. I think it's changing. We could talk about that, but this is an important point you made where it's that the bank typed that million dollars out of thin air. Poof. Here's the thing. They don't actually want you to pay the debts back. Banks no. are not in the business of getting paid back. They're in the interest of collecting interest. What they want you to do is interest. buy a new home and, and refinance every five years because you're only paying interest at the beginning of the loan. If you keep on doing that, you're only paying the interest. You're not paying down the principal. And the interest doesn't vanish. That is the bank's profit. So it pays all the employees and it, it circulates again. But when someone does save that dollar that you paid in interest, when they it's circulating again, and when they save it up and pay down principal, the dollar vanishes. And so we always have to borrow. It's it's springing into existence, vanishing. And we always have to go deeper and deeper and deeper into debt to be able to service the interest. And it is a form of slavery, as you, you're pointing to. Yeah. Yeah. Well, paying off the interest represents my labor, my sweat, my taking the risk, my being responsible for feeding myself, taking care right. of myself when I get sick. I, that's all on me. But the interest payments, those have to go like clockwork, you know, irrespective of how, how life is turning out for little old but, me, right? Yes. And what uh, really bugs me is the immorality of our monetary yes. system. The um, when they when the Fed, Federal Reserve creates currency, they buy an asset, they buy a U.S. Treasury and the currency springs into existence. It inflates the, where it goes first. And if it's going into the financial system, it inflates the stock market. It inflates the bond market. Uh, and uh, then anybody that sell that has all of this wealth that where their uh, net worth is determined by their stock portfolio, they become a lot wealthier on paper. But if they sell and then buy stuff out in the real world, they've got a whole bunch of transferred wealth. It's it they it, the currency supply was diluted. Uh, we have inflation. By the way, uh, if if the dollar was money. You couldn't have long-term inflation. You would have inflation deflation with the uh, the velocity. We we can't control the mood of the public, but you know when they're when you're feeling when you're fearful, velocity slows down. The number of transactions in a year and uh, prices can fall. Excuse me. <coughs> I woke up with a cold today, <laughs> so. Of all things. Uh, I sound a little nasally. I've got uh, a fever and and so on. And so uh, I probably will be coughing a few times through all of this. But, you know, when um, it's, when uh, wealth is taken away from you via inflation, uh, that represents the time that you worked for it. Now you got to put in work again to replace that yep. stolen purchasing power. Uh, the same thing happens when a bank uh, creates uh, bank credit. It it goes usually into the real estate market first, inflates that, and uh, then eventually leaks out and groceries and gasoline go up. And so, and this is what we've seen. And it is a wealth transfer uh, that is evil. It's responsible for all the riots that we had and the, the civil unrest that we saw uh, a couple of years ago. Uh, it's responsible for all of the envy. According to the Federal Reserve, uh, one out of 10 people owns twice as much deposits as the other nine people combined. So the top 10% has twice as many deposits. I've got a chart on it if you want me to share it, but uh, it's from uh, the- I've, I've enabled sharing, but you know, um, 
if people buy this book, uh, they, it doesn't come yeah. with these little tabs. I put those in there. Um, but yeah, let me sorry. just go to this part that caught me here because, because this is, I mean, people need to internalize these numbers. You, you have them in here as a little table and you say, since 1980, as of the writing of this book, today we have 18 times more people around the world, 55 times more currency. 18 times more people who can legally buy precious metals. Only oh, 5% yes. of the population could buy precious metals in the first half of the 70s bull market. Then it became yep. legal in the United States on the first day of 1975 and Australia the first day of 1976. And so 10% yeah. of the world's population could participate. But there were no uh, markets in uh, in the USSR, Mao's China. It was illegal yep. to own gold. And, yeah. it, you know, yeah. So sorry, like I interrupted you. 200 times more billionaires, 200 times. <laughs> right. And they can steer, some of those people have, you know, 100 billion, 200 billion. And so they can easily steer a, a billion dollars in any direction at once. They can just call up their broker and say, sell this stock and buy a billion dollars worth of gold. And so this gold rush will be like nothing else, but it takes a crisis. And I believe that that uh, crisis, there's about, 25 times more dollars per ounce of gold that exists above ground than there was in 1980 when gold hit 873 intraday uh, on the Chicago Mercantile Exchange and it hit 850 at the close, which is the price that most people use for gold. But, um, uh, you know, it went up 25 times its initial price from August 15th, 1971 until uh, January of 1980, and silver went up 41 times. And silver is still beneath its 1980 high. It was uh, 52.50 was the intraday, $50 was the close, and uh, and it's currently down at like $23. <laughs> and so it's, it's well, less than half of its 1980. Name something else in society other than computer chips, because that was a brand new uh, technology then an infant technology uh, that is selling at a discount to its 1980 high and then calculate the quantity of currency they've created since then the world has 55 times more currency uh, wow. did you read the part with all those uh, quotes out of time magazine from 1980 the yeah. end of that yeah, chapter that's... you were referring to i mean there yeah, was, was a, great... a panic going on out of the dollar and into gold and uh it was um really something and i do believe well, well let me let me share you let me share this one thing because i want to show you i share this chart sure. all the time but this this yeah. is i'm convinced why why we're in deep trouble um yes. and it's because of this right here did that show up are you seeing this with me yeah i've seeing? got uh gdp uh versus the uh the all sectors debt, debt loans and liabilities that's just debt. and that's not right. even unfunded liabilities this is just this is just debt and, you know, um, this doesn't include right. like Social Security being unfunded or any of that stuff. And so, the problem is there's about uh, the size of the M2 currency. We're, we've only got uh, like uh, the M2 currency supplies at like 23 trillion or something like that to pay the 90 trillion dollar debt. Well, <laughs> there's always more debt. Yeah. That whole system is just like the debt has to constantly exponentially expand or we get in trouble, right? Because I circled it, that little yeah. wiggle right there where, where debt, what? no, there's nothing wrong. I could expand debt in my life and make debt go backwards. Nothing bad happens. But at the system level, when debt goes backwards, 
people freak out and they talk about systemic crises and they get crazy about the right. whole thing. But that little wiggle almost destroyed the Western financial system. So our plan B is, well, let's just not have a wiggle like that again. <laughs> let's just expand debt faster than income well, forever. If, Any, if anybody pay can off resolve. the debt, the currency supply vanishes. There is no currency and you still owe the interest. So, so yes, that, that little contraction was people... <laughs> paying down debt. And so the currency supply starts to eat yeah. itself. And it could literally, you know, if people get scared enough, it could go to zero. And uh, yeah. that is, that means infinity dollars per ounce on gold. <laughs> Correct. You've seen the pictures right. of, of like the, the streets in, in Venezuela where it's just littered with the currency because people can't even be bothered to pick it up, you know? Uh, yeah. Just, I, I haven't seen it, but uh, it's got to be just very blowing in the wind. Yeah, yeah, it's just like anyway. uh, 1923 Germany, Weimar Germany. Exactly, right? exactly. So you had a chart you wanted to share. Uh, I've enabled oh. screen sharing if you want to bring that okay. up. I'll just run through share screen um, and let me see. Brave browser window. No. Ah, brave browser window. Okay, so can you see this? chart here i sure can federal debt is it, no longer growing the economy yeah right after world war ii we could borrow a dollar worth a dollar's worth of debt and the five-year change in gdp over gross federal debt uh was that we would grow the economy by between six and eight dollars for every uh, dollar wow. we borrowed about seven dollars and then when ben bernanke uh changed the way the Federal Reserve works in 2008. By the way, have you ever read Deflation, Making Sure It Doesn't Happen Here? I haven't read it. Just snippets. Just enough It's to a know. white paper that's online, yeah. but it's a speech by Ben Bernanke in 2002. And I read it in about 2004, and it, it changed my life. I gave all of my shares of my company. I, I, start, I founded a, a company, a trade show. Uh, I... Uh, was the controlling interest. And I gave all the shares to my business partner, exited, started goldsilver.com and started writing my first book, uh, Guide to Investing in Gold and Silver. And I partnered up with Robert Kiyosaki of Rich Dad, Poor Dad and mm -hmm. uh, and um, toured the world with him, speaking to audience on audiences, showing charts like this. But I completely changed my life and I centered it around the roadmap that Ben... There, he lists like 10 different things in there. If the Fed reaches the zero bound, which means zero interest rates, he goes, we are not out of ammunition. This is the uh, one where he made the, the famous quote, the Federal Reserve has a technology called a printing press or the electronic version thereof. <laughs> and so that's the <laughs> We're not afraid to use it. <laughs> yeah. Right. And so he listed all of these things like expanding. He called it the menu of assets that the Federal Reserve buys. And he listed things like, you know, all the TARP uh, stuff and, and buying stocks directly, you know, just all of these things. A lot of them violate the Federal Reserve Act. So they had to set up these uh, phony uh, entities. And uh, but ever since he did all of that, you know, I saw that roadmap in 2004. I based my books on it and I based my life on it, knowing that if he became Fed chairman, uh, that he would implement all of these things. And he implemented about seven of the 10. It's in a uh, video, um, like it's, I think it's called Decoding Fed Speak or something like that. Oh, it's the um, the elites 
plan. So it's in my YouTube channel, the elites plan for the world economy. And uh, I take a paragraph and then I just highlight keywords in red. And you understand, you know, he's trying to use big words and impress the audience mm -hmm. of economists. Because if he can talk over their head, everybody will go, wow, he's really smart. We should make him Fed chairman. Uh -huh. <laughs> uh, so uh, uh, I highlight the keywords and uh, the whole thing makes sense to anybody, not just economists. And so it's, it's well worth watching that video. Uh, that one has now, a few uh how do you, how do you interpret this chart though? Why, why is it that that new federal debt is doing less and less? Uh, well, we've got we owe so much uh, debt plus interest, and uh, you look at it, and we get somewhere for every dollar we borrow, we get somewhere between fifty uh, thirty cents and fifty cents worth of growth, and uh, that means that we can no longer borrow our way to prosperity. The old formulas <laughs> yeah. haven't worked since 2008, and all of the politicians think that it's going to work. Look at the deficits that we're doing now and the way the debt is growing. You showed that chart of debt, and it's it's an exponential growth. And mm -hmm. uh, uh, they don't know that all it does is digs a deeper pit, and one day that pit's going to cave in on us. You know, this is uh, becoming a bottomless pit, basically. Um, and the point of no return we passed it in 2008 and there really isn't any way of fixing this uh you've done a lot of work on demographics right mm -hmm. yeah yeah the demographics just aren't there to be able to grow the economy faster than the debt and our politicians always figure out how to spend more than their income and uh but you know until 1980 or 82 we would grow the economy faster than the debt. And then uh, we started growing the debt faster than the economy. We got down to just 30% of GDP. I think it was 1982, 33%. So a third of the economy. And now we're up at 120%. And so we're going into the next crisis. And by the way, uh, Silicon Valley, Silvergate, uh, uh, Signature, uh, uh, First Republic, and Credit Suisse, that was just the first leg down. If you look at the way the uh, financial crisis in 2008 played out, uh, I can't remember who it was, but something happened that was uh, an a extraordinary event. Everybody goes, wow, that came out of nowhere. And then there was a uh, five-month pause. And then uh, uh, Countrywide uh, went under. And then there was a six-month pause, and then Bear Stearns, and then there was a two-month pause, and then something else, and then a mm -hmm. one-week pause, and then Lehman, and the next day AIG, and it just went bam, bam, bam. And, uh, you know, everybody thought the world was coming to an end at that point. Uh, and it's interesting. That's the time when everybody tries to buy gold and silver, and there just isn't any. And so the I spreads know. go huge. You'll see the spot yeah. price, which is paper. It's IOUs for gold and silver, but to actually get real gold and silver on eBay, people were paying when, when silver was eight bucks, they were paying 36 on eBay. Oh yeah. Yeah. Uh, well, let, let me, let me, now as far as for 18, go ahead. Sorry. I, I know. I, I know. I, I, I could talk yeah. forever about um the, the supply shortfalls, the, the pipeline isn't thick, but I want to talk about the, this thing. So you just mentioned what happened with, you know, the 2008 fight, great financial crisis, because the, the potential energy for that was all this 
stupid real estate lending and all of this and that. But it was baked in the cake. There was really no way to avoid the, the pain because, you know, right. like um, John Stuart Mill said, you know, panics don't destroy capital. They merely revealed the extent to which it's already been hopelessly betrayed. So I want to look yeah. at this because because I think this and is a setup the transfer of assets. So so you see here we had the Fed fund rate here at, at four and a half and, the, and then it's crushed down to like zero, effectively zero. And I call these areas where they were artificially repressing interest rates and forcing people, forcing the Fed forced people and entities like SVB, um, Signature, they they got crushed by this, that monetary vandalism, right? And so now I see it like this, actually, which is that, um, let me see if I can get this centered up here, is like this, you know, the Fed Reserve yeah. puts the football down on the ground and then they yank it away. Uh, all those regional banks were actually taken out as an act of policy by the uh -huh. Fed. And I want people to understand that it's also an act of policy that that um, we're going to destroy our currency system. They're doing this. Yeah. Whether they mean to or not, this is directly where their policy is going. That's how I see it. So uh, I agree. OK, well, go ahead and turn on sharing for a second and I'll show you um, something that I think is uh, quite interesting. Let me see, this is, oops. This is the uh, deposits that uh, the Federal Reserve has. And you can see 2008 was the turning point. Uh, the, the, mm. the Federal Reserve data says that the poorest 90%, so nine out of 10 people, owned about uh, 50, six 58 percent of all no i'm sorry 54 percent of all deposits in to in you know when the crisis started and the richest uh owned the rest and then uh the with all of the qes and everything that's what drove this giant wealth transfer was uh ben bernanke and his policies so one man is going to he he will be responsible for bringing down the world economy ben bernanke you think huh Yes. Yeah. Making making sure it doesn't happen here. That guy. <laughs> the guy yes. who launched your business. <laughs> right. Right. Okay. So what's what's the next topic? Well, um, I do want to talk about um uh so so I, I need I need I need you to help me um come back down to earth. So so uh I've gotten exceedingly bearish. Like Mike, in, in the sense that like, you know, not just like, oh, stocks are going to go down a little bit. I mean, like I'm talking about, I'm worried about how the system is going right. to function. And, and so I, that's the reason we both bought farms. <laughs> yes. <laughs> right. So I would love to hear what you're saying. So, so let me, let me tell you that just an anecdote, but, but, you know, you can, usually things are only obvious in retrospect. Uh -huh. Beforehand, you have to make decisions on imperfect information. So here's a question I ask people now. I say, have you been waking up for no good reason at three o'clock or three thirty in the morning? And a lot of people go, you know, because it, it they they people have been waking up. There's something doesn't feel right. Yeah. And I, I think I have. Do you? Yeah. So, so yeah. do you have any sense of like why that's happening for you? Well, maybe I, I guess that what you're alluding to is that uh, there's that spider sense that you talk about uh, that there is something really really wrong. And you know, my book was four years of writing and editing and uh, and chart making and looking up data. And uh, 
I became very frightened. I was trying my best to get it out uh, in like last uh, October. And uh, it actually wasn't uh, on Amazon until February. And uh, so it came out one month, just like my first book came out one month before Lehman. <laughs> this book came out one month before Silicon Valley. And so um, uh, it's, uh, I became very frightened and it's depressing to, I mean, it, it is hard on uh, the body and everything. It's, it's hard mm -hmm. uh, on health to be so depressed all the time because of the what they're doing to the global economy and uh, being having anxiety and that's what that 3 a.m thing is i guess is the anxiety that you're talking about yeah yeah for well, me you know i'll sit i'll sit there and i'll review stuff in my head like is did i forget to do my taxes on time you know is there something wrong with the you know my house like i run through all these things and i can't quite place it um but I do have a sense that something is is really coming. And and I know now, you know, here's the thing. Every time, like you, like, you know, when you sat down to write the book, right, I sit down and I'll do a big thing. So just a couple of weeks ago, I just sat down because I have to do this every so often because people talk about derivatives, but I don't think they're, anyway, I want to make sure we're all having the same conversation. So I go through and every time I go into that story, Mike, it is so gross. Like these things really are weapons of mass financial destruction. And once you understand yeah. that, that derivatives are merely contracts they're bets you and i could write a derivative contract with each other with a quadrillion notional value if we wanted to right um and and there's no regulation of these things really they tried to put up an otc clearing but the eh, these things really if they if they blow what they've done is, is the same thing that remember like san francisco used to be a nice nice city and then they said Gosh, it's such a shame that people get in trouble for shoplifting. Let's set the level for felony shoplifting at 950. You know, this will this shows what great people we are. And all they got was a worse city and more crime and more shoplifting, right? right? So same yeah. thing. Great financial crisis happens. Dodd-Frank gets written. It's also known as the Chase Act or the City Act, you know, depending on which bank you, you want to blame. But uh, so they write this thing and they say, gosh, these derivatives were terrible. They almost broke the system. So what we'll do is we'll make them senior in the bankruptcy workout structure for banks. That way, they the system's secured because the system at least knows its bets are going to get paid off. What do we have? Yeah. Twice as many as we used to right. have, right? It made the problem yeah. bigger, you know? And right. I don't know it's how we get... So here's the thing that makes me... I, financially, economically, I can't see a path where if we did this or if they did that or they tweaked a little or we... I don't know how... We don't go through some really tough times at this right. point. And I'm worried yeah. about how yeah. tough those times might be. Robert might Kiyosaki be used to talk about the five G's that you want ground. So defensible real estate. You want mm -hmm. grub food and you and I grow our own. Uh, you mm -hmm. want gas with, uh, I have solar power and drive an electric car. So, uh, and then you want guns and gold. And uh, I have, I really took that to heart. <laughs> I I never really liked guns. Uh, and yeah. I have a small arsenal now. <laughs> so, And I've got a, a team of people up on the farm that uh, mm -hmm. all have the same mindset. So we're, um, we're, we're as prepared as one could possibly be for what's coming at us. Well, I know more and more people coming to the same conclusion, which you and I got to maybe earlier than other people, 
and we did our best to alert them. And I think there's still time. I, I would like to alert people to two things. So this first thing we're talking about is um, making sure that you have the bottom of Maslow's hierarchy of needs, which is your shelter, your food, your water, your warmth, right? Making sure, yeah. making sure that you, that you have, like, as they say in sports analogies, um, a great offense is no good if you don't, if you have a bad defense, right? You know, so that's the bottom. You got defense, it wins games, right? So, uh -huh. so we start there. And then the offense in this story is how do I earn more and, you know, try and, you know, grab dollars in this thing while it's happening. So, um, but that a lot of people are coming to this. I know CEOs of major corporations who now have, you know, the let's say them resilient <laughs> homesteads. More and more people are coming to this conclusion. But the second thing is, in particular, around your area of expertise for gold and silver, you just briefly touched on something I think it's really important, which is that I think this is a, a light switch moment when when this when they when these two hundred times more billionaires decide it's time to get into gold and silver. I mm -hmm. think almost everybody just gets priced out of the market and or the supply disappears. Just help people understand just how thin these markets really are that for these, well, these the, items. The... <laughs> Sorry. I don't know if I already mentioned that I woke up with a cold this morning. <laughs> so, um, yeah, the silver market especially is incredibly small. And most of it is paper trading. There are times where there are 300 uh, times more ounces of gold and silver that have been sold into the market uh, as IOUs than real gold in the vaults to deliver into. So it's basically a musical chairs game with 300 players and one chair uh, or one chair for every 300 players. And uh, we're talking about an event where the music stops and uh, it's it's going to be something spectacular when all those people try to get uh physical at the same time because there just isn't any it's it's uh, uh hard to get and i remember 2008 it was very difficult to source and the spreads went huge and uh, uh i would be allotted a certain number of 100 ounce bars I, i'd have only 100 ounce bars one week and then the next week silver eagles and the next week, 10 ounce bars. And uh, so just one product at a time. And then there were actually three days where uh, there was no gold either. So no gold and silver. There was a week where there was no silver available. And there was three days during that week where there was no gold available. So I was basically out of business. And so the spreads have to go up. Otherwise, the first person that comes along takes everything. And so uh, it, it, it was great for me. Uh, I don't worry financially about these crises because that is when uh, I uh, make the most income. And then I invested all in gold and silver. And now I have some cryptos and real estate and uh, some stocks, but uh, not much. The vast majority of my wealth is in precious metals. Mm -hmm. So, uh, and this is something, um, you know, that what's the old saying? If you've been at the card table for 30 minutes, you don't know who the sucker is. It's you, right? <laughs> I have right. spent this past week, I fell down this rabbit hole reading this book by uh, David Rogers Webb called The Great Taking. And then I interviewed him and I, I wanted to prove him wrong, right? And I dug through and I found all these documents. Here's a question I can't answer for you. Nobody can I've, so far. Who is the senior claimant on the stocks I think I own in my brokerage account? Right. Should be a simple answer. 
right? Yeah. You are. Nobody, A, the answer is not you, and B, we don't actually know, right? That will have to be resolved in, in some, you know, bankruptcy proceeding. And, uh, but, but the point is, is that, you know, we're in the fourth turning. Uh -huh. Part of the fourth turning is this loss of faith in institutions. Every time I turn around, I find out my government is gaslighting me, calling disinformation, you know, anything that turns out to be truth. They're busy rigging rules against me. It's like the whole thing just feels like a racket. So real estate that you control and own and gold and silver in your hot little hands have to form the cornerstone of your wealth pyramid is the way I look at it now. Yeah. Uh Absolutely. Uh, you, you need things that uh, can't vanish in a crisis. And, you know, you're talking about stocks uh, being owned by somebody else, so they can vanish as well. So uh, the um, I've got like, I don't know, a dozen uh, junior miners and uh, and uh, explorers for gold and silver. And they're all private placements. So I actually have the stock certificates and it's, therefore I own them. But I also uh, have stocks on my brokerage account and I didn't know that I haven't used, when you use margin, uh, you actually don't own them. The, the brokerage house can go in and borrow a certain percentage of your stocks and give them to somebody else who will sell them into the market and they're charging that guy interest. Uh, and so they make uh, something by stealing from you basically. And uh, when somebody like, for instance, GLD and SLV are the ETFs for gold and silver, the major ETFs, when the brokerage house goes and borrow each share represents ounces of silver or gold. And when the brokerage house goes in and borrows them, loans them to somebody else at, a, at interest and that somebody else sells those same shares. Now, two people own the same ounces. It's a fractional reserve scheme that could blow up on you. And so uh, I just like this thing with no counterparty risk. And most of my precious metals are at Brinks Security in Salt Lake City, Utah. Uh, we have four vaults around the world uh, where you can select to store it. And it's in your name. It's held in bailment. We do the billing on Brinks's behalf, uh, but uh, it's it's. In your name, Brinks is not part of the banking system. They don't fall under banking law. And during 9-11, the banks were closed for a week. The ATMs ran out of cash. Brinks was open and shipping every day. So the precious metals dealers actually became the banks that week. If you were low on cash, you could take your gold or your silver in and walk out with $100 bills. Uh, so um, uh, it it is a safe, but I also keep a little where I can get to it in an emergency. Mm -hmm. But, you know, if if things actually get to a point where people are insisting on payment in cryptocurrency or gold, that means that the world is a very different and very dangerous place. Indeed, indeed. So um, yeah. that gets us back to um, uh, the, the nice little community and, and, and the property you've got there um, down in Puerto Rico where you live now. So... Yeah uh tell can you tell us like uh i think it's important for people to hear so when i when i remember a couple of years ago when you first got it it's kind of like raw land i think there were some structures but they sort of yeah there were seven buildings of... but they were all totaled by hurricane maria it's 900 acres of magical uh farmland uh i have a 300 acre valley that has its own river 
that I don't think anybody's been in for more than a hundred years. Uh, I have, uh, I've got about, uh, 300 acres of farmable land. Uh, and then there's areas that were farmed, but they're too steep there. If you're going to run a coffee plantation, which is what was there last, uh, you can, but mm-hmm. they had horrible, uh, uh, farming practices where they mm. bulldoze all the topsoil off of the hillside. They plant vertical rows that encourage uh, erosion, and then they uh, keep it just saturated with pesticides and herbicides. And uh, uh, and so it hasn't had any pesticides or herbicides since 2006. We can get it certified organic, and we're doing permaculture farming. And permaculture, uh, your viewers probably know what it is, but it's a way of building the topsoil instead of depleting it. And since 50 to 70% of every plant grows below ground, when that plant dies, it sequesters the carbon that it breathed, you know, the carbon dioxide it breathed in through photosynthesis, split off the oxygen atom and exhaled it. And, uh, and that carbon becomes sequestered. Uh, and that's where oil came from, you know, uh, and so this is the only thing that mankind does on a massive scale globally that can be changed from carbon positive to atmospheric carbon negative. And because of these special conditions, this is at the very top of Puerto Rico. So it's between eight and 14, eight and 15 degrees cooler than it is down here at sea level. And uh, that allows us to grow different crops and or shift our harvest season so that we're not competing against Puerto Rican farmers. We're competing against all the farmers that have to ship their goods through what's called the Jones Act. The Jones Jones Act is this ancient discriminatory law that that was passed during World War I. But basically, there are only two companies that uh, do shipping in and out of Puerto Rico, and they don't compete. They charge a lot. So food here is between 20 and 40% more expensive than on the mainland. And that allows me to do this grand experiment of trying right now, uh, chemical monoculture, the cost of the inputs has risen to where it's almost as expensive to do as the more laborious uh, permaculture. But if we can develop the right techniques and I need to get a bunch of like-minded people working on this problem, and this is the only place on earth that could be self-funding. I've got, they've got all these tax advantages. So I, I'm competing against Canada, USA, Mexico, and South America, all of whom are 20 to 40% artificially high. And then uh, like Matt's, Uncle Matt's organic orange juice is 750 at, uh, at Whole Foods on the mainland. Here, you go to Fresh Mart and it's 11 bucks. It's 46% more expensive. Well, uh, I have 717 orange trees, and, and soon we will have uh, a few thousand. I, I, I need the economies of scale to do the investment in all the processing equipment. Uh, but um, it's uh, it's this place where we can do this experiment, and and it'll be self-funding instead of needing grants and uh, and uh, donations and stuff to be able to do it. So uh, we are trying to change the world and help it because you know we are doing an experiment and whether you believe in climate change or not we probably shouldn't be changing the atmospheric composition at the rate that we are and one thing that you were talking about and that scientists were talking about but nobody really hears about it anymore since the pandemic they stopped talking about 
the Anthropocene extinction event, the mm -hmm. world's sixth mass extinction that is taking place right now. Mm -hmm. And scientists agree that it's happening. They just don't know what the number is. They know that it's somewhere between the, the number of species going extinct is at a rate that is somewhere between 100 and 1000 times the normal background extinction rate. And so this is something that we should be doing. And we got to get through this next decade. We have a, a very, very bright future. If we can get through this next de decade, robotics and artificial intelligence, if it doesn't kill us, it will uh, yeah. bring about uh, a world of super abundance. It will be uh, just in amazing. It's, the world is going to change in the next five years more than it changed in the last 5,000. Uh, and uh, so we do need to get through, we need to slow the Anthropocene extinction event. And the only thing that can do that is, uh, uh, is making, the only thing I can think of, if you make permaculture less expensive than chemical, chemical monoculture, the world adopts it just because it's more profitable. And so globally, we go from somewhere between nine and 18% carbon positive farming, atmospheric carbon positive to, I don't know what percentage, but my farm, I've got two Monarch electric tractors on order. I've got a couple of cyber trucks on order and I've got uh, <clears throat> um, a Polaris XUV uh, that's electric on order. So we're going, and then I'm going to, there are months from uh, May uh, through October uh, where it, rains almost every day and it gets very cloudy up there and so i have a pond 300 feet up 350 feet up my mountain uh, so i can generate some serious water pressure and in a, a linear distance of 1000 feet is my river mm -hmm. and all of the by the way there's 10,000 homes that get their water from my river um on my property that's where the dam is uh the uh um so I can put in a hydroelectric plant that takes over when the sunlight isn't there. There's this pond that overflows all rainy season long, tons of water. And so uh, uh, I will, I've got redundant internet with Starlink and a microwave system, but whenever the power goes out up there, the microwave goes out. Uh, and we've, so we've got our own water, our own food uh, and uh, redundant internet. So hopefully we will fare better than most, but I really do worry for the average person, don't you? I, I do. And uh, but let me just take a moment to, to uh, be really appreciative of hearing you talking about uh, building soil, regenerative practices, um, being in relationship, a steward of the land rather than an extractor of things from the land, that, that it's really a dialogue you enter with a, a specific piece of property and that we can yeah. use our big brains for good rather than destruction. Right. And that's, that's the whole, that, that's the shift that has to happen. Um, we've got to, you know, and right. so it's great that, you know, you're starting that process. I'm doing that. I'm seeing more people get on with that, but I do think that it has two purposes. First, it gives you a buffer against whatever's coming. We know something's coming. We don't know how bad it's going to be, but second, but it sure is scary. It is. <laughs> but second, that's going to be a moment in time. I don't know how long, how bad, but then after that, there's this rebuilding. The rebuilding has to be around the kinds of things you're doing on your property yeah. right it, well, i'm it trying to find a group of like-minded people which you have done and so i am there's a a section of my property that can either be split into 350 acre lots or sell as one uh 150 i've got mm -hmm. a uh, 10 a 7 a 6 and a 3 acre lot also that i'm 
probably go. They're not connected. They are connected, but there's a road, be uh, you know, a, a highway uh, between mm -hmm. those pieces of property and the main farm. And so uh, I'm going to be trying. I'm trying to build a community, just like you have been trying to do, and yep. uh, of like-minded yep. people that are trying to change the world for the better and informing everybody about it, like you do all the time. Mm -hmm. Well, so, great. Yeah. I know that you've got to you've got to run soon, um, but. Uh, can you just give us 60 seconds of, you know, this project you've been working on, it's, this is your, your life's work, your, your magnum opus coming out. Um, do, oh, okay. are you ready to talk uh, well, about that coming out or is it too soon? Yeah, it's too soon to talk about that, but All I've right. been working on it for about a decade and it's going to be much bigger than hidden secrets of money. And it's purely economics. It has nothing to do with gold. Uh, the, um, the, if, if people want to get the book, uh, you should, you can get a sample uh, if you go to GGSR, so Great Gold and Silver Rush 21, GGSR21.com, and you can download chapters three and four. I needed four to be, I'm going to be adding a section back in to chapter four that is currently missing about something I call doppelganger dollars. Uh, and mm. it's, it's, a, it's assets, mortgage-backed securities, when the Fed bought them, got monetized twice. And so there's a non-self-extinguishing inflationary dollar out there that, that, you know, the bank monetized it, created a million bucks, you sell it to the, you, you pay the seller, that's out in circulation. The bank sells the uh, mortgage to a, a brokerage house that bundles it up into a mortgage-backed security. The Fed comes along and buys it from the mortgage house by creating mm -hmm. this, you know, actually more dollars because now it's worth more because it's got interest attached to it. Uh, and so the this currency gets created twice, but when you pay off the mortgage, you're only extinguishing one of those two dollars. And I'm the one that discovered that sort of tripped over this. And so I'm I wasn't positive about it, but now I'm pretty darn sure that it's true. So I'm going to be putting it back in. But uh, if yep. you go and you take a look at chapter three, uh, and everybody should download it. It's free. Email it to anybody you want. Chapter three is a primer on how to read charts because charts can be used to deceive and just flat out lie. And, uh, <laughs> sure so if, if, and everybody needs to know difference between logarithmic, linear, correlations, uh, you know, charts with two scales on it uh, are easy to make anything look like anything. Or if you start a chart at 99 and it goes to 100, and uh, the uh, you know a stock drops, uh, you know some uh, news channel can say such and such stock cratered today on news that and it was it's bullshit. You can't even see it when you start the chart at, at zero and go to a hundred. And so uh, uh, anyway, ggsr21.com for gold and silver. It's uh, goldsilver.com, and for Freedom Farms, it's freedomfarmspr.com. And uh, so you can see a little bit of what we're doing uh, there. And I am, like I said, looking for like-minded people. Puerto Rico has all of these tremendous tax advantages. If I've got a bona fide farmer certificate, so 90% of farm income is tax exempt, and then we don't pay any uh, sales tax, which is 11%, or import duties on equipment and supplies, which is 14%. And so um, we have all of these advantages in place where we should be able to do this grand experiment and try to change the world for the better.
Thank you. Well, everybody, we've been talking with Mike Maloney of goldsilver.com. Again, ggsr21.com if you want to get the book. And that was Freedom Farm PR, or is that Farms? Freedom Farms, plural, PR.com. Yep. Yeah. Yes. Well, fantastic. Well, Mike, thank you so much for your time today. I know you got to rush off to another interview. Of course, you're a busy man, but uh, yep. really appreciate your time and everything you're doing in the world. Okay. Well, thank you, Chris. It was great.